and welcome to the introduction to photography. This is the start of a brand new series from Wellshot and we'll be going through all the basics of photography. The first series is this one and we're going to start with talking about cameras. There's many types of cameras around um, which are available as far as digital cameras go. I personally use a mirrorless camera which I've used for a number of years now um, but if you're starting in photography it can be a bit of a minefield out there. So we're here today, we're going to try and explain some of the mysteries and explain what they actually do and what's, what's available really in the shops. Yeah, so the idea of this is after we've kind of gone through this video and you've watched and maybe listened to this, if you're listening to it in the car as well, is if you are looking to buy your first new camera, um, you should have at least a bit of an idea of what you're going in for. The idea of this is to give you a bit of ammunition so you know what all or at least most of the technical jargon is. So yeah, if you feel like we've missed anything at the end of this video, let us know what you think you would add if you was choosing your camera. Or if you've already got one and you're quite a seasoned professional or you've had a camera for a while, then let us know how your introduction to photography went. Maybe you spoke to somebody in a camera shop and there was questions you wish you'd have asked. Maybe you left with the wrong camera or maybe you wish you'd have kind of chosen another one or been led down another path because you'd have had a bit more understanding about what you're asking for before you went into the shop. Mm. So we're gonna basically have a bit of a rundown of what elements and variables can change between different cameras and different lenses so you know at least what you're expecting when you go into the camera shop to ask for your first camera. Yeah, yeah. Many people also, they, they have friends with photographers and they can have a chat to those and uh, ask them what sort of equipment they use and get advice first hand off the, the people. And if they're really kind enough, they can probably let you borrow one. Yeah. So I go of it. I was just going to say, the, 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 the reason we keep mentioning going into a camera shop as well is just so you can actually get hands on. It's very similar to, you know, test driving a car before you buy the car. You know, you wouldn't just go and buy a, a car blind without even sitting in it. So uh, with photography, especially because it's in your hand, it's, it's about the ergonomics and how it fits. So if you have got a friend or a couple of friends that have got mm. different types of cameras and different camera models and so on, then it's yeah. probably a good idea to have a go with all of them, even if it's just to hold them for a couple of seconds. Um, but do be aware, though, if you do have a friend that's been a Nikon user or a Canon user or a Fuji user from the get go, they will always tell you that that is the best camera. So bear that in mind. Mm. The best camera, as we keep telling each other, is the one that you always have with you to take a picture. But you still have to have confidence in the camera and confidence in using it as well. But to me, if the camera feels right in your hand and feels comfortable, that's a big way of actually helping you along to get some good images, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll find as well that when you start looking into the world of photography and the world of cameras and all this technical stuff and everybody's on this kind of megapixel race and it's all about specs and facts and features and all this kind of thing, um, you'll find that actually there are two main types of cameras. You'll find you have DSLRs and you'll have mirrorless or you might find them called CSEs or compact system cameras but mirrorless is the the buzzword isn't yeah, it? The I general suppose. term. Um, and basically DSLRs are the older traditional style that have been around forever since, well, since digital cameras Tend started. Tend to be a bit larger as well. Yeah. yeah, and they have the same kind of... Um, it's basically a film camera with yeah. all the digital gubbins put inside it, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, yeah, with the, sensor, with the digital sensor yeah. on the back of it. Really. Whereas a mirrorless camera has been built up from the word go, really, yeah. as a digital camera. Hence, that's why they're an awful lot smaller. And you'll tend to find a lot of manufacturers are actually going towards mirrorless. Like Canon, for example, announced just last year. So if you're watching this in the future, we're in 2021 now. Mm. Um, but So it was only 2020, I think, maybe, maybe even 2019, yeah. where Canon announced that they're no longer putting any R&D or manufacturing any DSLR lenses anymore. 
I mean, granted, there's hundreds of them out there anyway, but um, no yeah, new so ones. bear this in mind. If you're wanting a camera system that you can invest in for years to come for forever, you know, indefinitely, maybe mirrorless is something to definitely consider, mm. especially, you know, the technology is progressing quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. You find there's a lot of photographers, especially ones that I know as well, um, whether it be professional or enthusiast level, they are swapping their bigger cameras, as I call them now, the DSLRs, for the smaller mirrorless cameras, mainly because weight, um, there's a lot less weight to carry around. Uh, it also enables you to carry more equipment if you have to, if you're going on, say, a professional job as well. But if you're starting out, I would advise trying out both cameras and just seeing how they feel in your hand. Um, like I said, personally, I like a, a camera which isn't too big these days. It's, it's, it's the weight thing, really, a lot of the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, massively. Uh, you know, you can see as well, if, if you ever wonder what a mirrorless camera is versus a DSLR, or if a friend doesn't know which one they've got, just looking through the viewfinder, you'll see a DSLR camera's got like a mirrored, you, you can tell you're just looking through glass and optics and mirrors, mm. whereas a mirrorless camera, well, for a, for a start, if the camera's turned off, you see nothing through the viewfinder, because it is purely just a little electronic screen. And this is how they get the size and weight much smaller, because you don't have all the mirrors and the optical gubbins going on inside the camera itself. It's purely just a sensor and a screen. Yeah. There's not a lot else going on. So with mirrorless, really. you're actually looking through the sensor, so you're getting a bird's eye view of what the camera sees. Yeah, and you can see so if you adjust your colours and you, you know, if you want to shoot in black and white, for example, you can see that through the viewfinder before you take the shot. Whereas on a DSLR and even a, a, an old film camera to an extent, yeah. you know, you, you just look through what the lens is seeing, but not necessarily how the camera's going to capture it. So, you know, this is why mirrorless is, is taking off. It's why everybody's jumping on the mirrorless bandwagon. Mm. Um, but there is still a place for DSLRs. They've got more of a, at the minute anyway, they seem to have more of a tactile feel to them. But, you know, if you've got big hands, you tend to find people go for DSLRs because it's just, just a bigger, chunky thing to hold. But, mm. you know. Yeah, you, you do find a lot of people have similar, uh, they, they, they've got the impression that a bigger camera will give you a better picture. That's certainly not the case, is it? No. No, absolutely not. I, mean, you... I, I used to shoot weddings years ago now, and you find a lot of people say, oh, it's a big camera, I'm sure that'll take cracking images. Well, it will, but so will any, any of the camera these yeah. days. Yeah, it will. All cameras will take belting pictures. This is what I say to people, so we forgot to do an introduction, by the way. Okay, sorry. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> the reason I've just remembered now is, I was going to say I work in a camera shop, so I've got a bit of kind of experience in, in dealing with people that are basically in your shoes now. But my name's Lewis, by the way, a part of the Well Shot team. And I'm Avion, I work for Well Shot, well I am Well Shot. He is Well Shot, <laughs> he's Boss Hog, we call him, <laughs> Boss Hog. Um, but my job outside of Well Shot is, uh, I'm a store manager for a, uh, a camera store. And yeah, I see this on a daily basis, people coming in, but not necessarily knowing what questions to ask, because they don't know what they don't know. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, Avion's got much more experience than me. I mean, not that he looks a day older than 21, but... Thank you. Um, much more experience than me actually out in field, but I, I'm more the customer-facing thing, if you like. Mm. Um, and in fact, one of the things I was going to say about the size and weight is a lot of the size and weight is dictated by the sensor size. It is, yeah. And, and that's, that's a big factor, isn't it? It's a massive thing, and you'll see this buzzword and marketing of people being like, you know, full frame, full frame this, full frame is best, full frame is that. Mm. Yeah. Don't believe the hype. No, no. <laughs> it's got its place, don't get me wrong. We've both used both sizes yeah. of sensors, haven't we? Yeah. So. And if you're looking at comparing these three main sizes of sensors, you've got your micro four thirds, you've got APS-C, and then you've got 
full frame, and then there's bigger and smaller on both ends of that. But they, they seem to be the yeah the three th main ones. Three main ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you find a lot of professionals um, will tell you that you need to use full frame for certain subjects and things like that. It all depends really on what you're actually going to do with your pictures at the end of the day. If you're going to put them on social media, print the odd picture up, and they're for your own use. I would say any size of sensor will be really Absolutely suitable. Fine. Whatever, yeah. you, whatever you choose will be fine. Um, most people would probably go for the mid-range ones, the APS-C, because it's a bit of a balance between the, the two. I have gone personally for the Micro Four Thirds because of the size thing. Uh, the sensor's smaller, therefore the, the camera physically is smaller, and so are the lenses which fit onto the camera as well. So it makes it a lighter package to carry around. But quality-wise, I don't really notice much difference to when I used to use my full frame back in the day, and that's going back to eight, nine years now, which is, since I changed over. So I was a, a Nikon diehard through and through. I used to use Nikon full frame. But since changing over, I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Yeah. And um, I'm sticking with it. I've invested an awful lot of money into the system now, so I've got a big bunch of lenses and <laughs> yeah. quite a few bodies. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm committed to it now for the time yeah. being. I was going to say, like, you know, the, it comes into buying into the system again, which we'll come on to in a minute. But yeah. whilst we're still on the sensor size, it is generally speaking, the bigger the sensor, the bigger the camera, mm -hmm. you know, and, and lenses, just because the lenses have physically got to project a bigger image into the camera. It, 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 there's a whole world of technical specs and yeah. science going into it, but yeah. without going that far into it, three main sensor sizes Micro Four Thirds, which tends to be Olympus and Panasonic, yep. APS-C, which is Fujifilm, um, Canon, Canon and Nikon Film. tend to do that, but they don't really have, in fact, even Sony have got a mirrorless APS-C range, but Canon, Nikon and Sony are pushing the full frame, which is a third sensor, which is the biggest mainstream one that you can get at the minute. Mm. Mm. Um, but you can generally tell by the size and they have different lens mounts, for example. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So without going into it too much, just make sure that whatever camera you get, speak to the person in, in your local camera store, but whichever camera you get, make sure you get the right lenses for it as well. Mm. Yeah, this is it. Once, once you are into a system, you are more or less committed to it. Although on saying that you can get an adapter, which, which is like a collar, which will go between the camera and the appropriate lens to make that fit it. So you could actually put a Canon lens on an Olympus body but sometimes you can lose some of the functionality of the, of the operation um, of either the, the camera or the lens by fitting this adapter to it. But um, generally I would tend to get the lens that is made to fit the actual body itself. So um, yeah, yeah, just go for that. They may sit like, for example, the adapters can be anywhere upwards of 130 quid. Um, and although that might feel like it's saving you money in the short term because you're not having to, especially if you've got some old lenses, maybe you can steal some off a relative or get some cheap somewhere else. If you've got old lenses for a Canon, for example, and you end up buying a Sony, that adapter might cost you 200 quid, but it will end up costing you in the long run because that 200 quid would be better spent towards a lens yeah. that is actually a native lens for that camera system. You know, it's going to work. Chances are it's a newer one, so you might even have a better warranty with it and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But stuff like your focusing speed and some of them image stabilizer and all that kind of thing will work natively much quicker. It's built to work. You know, it's, it's that kind of idea. It's, it's like buying a performance car and then putting remold tires on it, isn't it? Mm, you just don't do that sort of thing, so do you? You can do it and it's good to get you going if, you know, maybe money's a bit tight on your first kind of purchase. But bear in mind that you'll probably end up trading most of it in and getting, yeah. getting a new lens anyway. But when you do buy your first camera, as and when, a lot of people do tend to buy them as a kit, as they, as they call it, it's a kit. Basically, you get a lens that comes in the box with the camera. 
Uh, and what this kit lens, as they call it, does is it gives you the ability to shoot various subjects from landscapes, which are quite wide views, to portraits, which will give you maybe just a headshot of a person. So therefore they've got a slight zoom on the, on the lens itself. So it's a bit of a jack of all trades, but it will give you the ability to shoot various subjects at a reasonable cost without having to worry about buying another lens once you've got your, your camera. So you've got the complete package there to start with. And it lets you kind of decide, you know, if you like that style of photography or if you find yourself on the wide angle end, uh, end of the lens versus the zoom, you know then you can kind of move your money or your budgets and your, your ideas into what lens you buy next based on that. You know, it's the idea of getting a lens that does everything to see yeah. which you prefer and then yeah. going that way rather than buying a t telephoto lens and realising that you're not actually that kind of photographer and you prefer the wide angle. Mm. You mentioned telephoto. Telephoto lens is one which actually brings the subject closer to you, whereas a wide-angle lens will give you a wider angle of view, so they're great for doing landscapes, seascapes, this type of thing. So you can specialise in various subjects, and there's lenses for those particular subjects which are designed to just specific for that. And that translates directly into the millimetres. So if you walk into a camera store and they start rattling off all these numbers, 18 millimetres, 55 millimetres, this lens has got 300 millimetres. Mm. To put that into kind of a perspective, the millimetres directly translates to how much zoom you get on a lens. So if you have um, a 300 millimetre, for example, that will be zoomed in f much further than a 18 millimetre. And to kind of give you an idea of where that is in a bit of realistic perspective on numbers you should expect, a 300 millimetre realistically is about as high as you're going to get until you start spending mega money. That is quite a high zoom. Yeah. And, and an 18, you know, 12 to 18 tends to be kind of the, the bottom end. Yeah, yeah. So anything yeah. lower than that, again, you're spending a lot of money. But I'll be honest, you start to get a bit of warp and it starts to do that kind of, looks like looking through a keyhole where it starts warping everything. But 18 millimetres is a good wide angle lens and mm. you tend to find the go like from 18 to 55 or 12 to 40-ish. So they tend to hover around the, eight, the 12 to 18 up to the 55-ish. Yeah. And that means you can zoom out to 18mm to get group shots or landscapes. But you can also zoom right in to 55 just to get more of a closed just, just shot get a single portrait. head or whatever. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. Um, anything more than that, like, I don't know, wildlife or aviation and that kind of thing, you might want to start looking at the higher end and they tend to start at, what, 70 to, to, to 300-ish seems to be quite a good range. You get a bit more specialised then as yeah. well, don't they? And you can also get prime lenses, and a prime lens, to you and me, basically means you don't have that zoom. Mm. So you can't zoom in between 18 and 55. You might have a prime lens that is just a 50 millimeter, which means you, if you want to get closer, you've got to physically get closer. Mm. But you do have other advantages, you know, it lets more light in, it blows the background out and so on. So it's a, it's a catch-22 with what kind of thing you want out of your lens, and this is where you start spending a lot of money. If you want all these features in one lens, you, so you can spend up to, well, 10 grand if you really want on a lens. Yeah. yeah. You also find that if you want to specialise in certain things, like say macro, where you want to get really close into your subject. So it may be, I don't know, insects or whatever that you're going there. You might be into butterflies. So you go into a, into a butterfly house. A macro lens will let you fill the frame and get pretty close to your subject. Now, those are quite specialist pieces of kit, really, aren't they? But they can double up also as a portrait lens as well with those. Yeah. So they've got two uses, really, with them. And, um, and yeah. ask, ask the, you know, if you end up having a demo in a, in a store, ask them, is this lens good for this? Is it good for that? Can you show me, you know, 
if they get a macro lens out of the cabinet for you, just ask them, is this something that would also be good for portraits? Yeah. You know, yeah. you can do a demo there and then in the store, but always make sure you get as good a one as you can because you don't want to invest all this money in a lens that you then have to then trade in and lose 20% value in also, you know, overnight. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, so you can also, with lenses, get image stabilizer. Um, these fall under many different abbreviations depending on what manufacturer you go for. But the main ones are IS for image stabilizer. You've got VC, which is vibration con compensation, I think. Yeah. OS, which is optical stabilization. You know, all these, but bottom line is it's image stabilizer. It just and helps you take a picture in, in low light, basically, yeah, doesn't it? Basically. Or handheld. And, that, and you'll notice it if you look through one and you look through a lens with image stabilizer and you half press it, you'll see that the image kind of stabilizes itself. And it's really weird to watch for the first time. Mm. But it is good because it means you can just focus a little bit more on, on what you're photographing. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something to look into, but if they don't have it on the lens... It's built into the body. Chances are it's on the body as well, yeah. Yeah, it's a really useful function to have, and it's quite a recent function, isn't it? Yeah, so you don't tend to see it on the older DSLRs, but definitely most mirrorless cameras nowadays have it built in, mm. and instead of the optics moving to combat your movement, it's now the sensor doing the work. Yeah, the sensor floats, so, doesn't it? Yeah, basically. So. so you can have a lot more compensation with less technology and less kind of R&D going into it. So you don't have to spend more on lenses if your camera body's always got it. But yeah. it also means then if you get really old lenses with an adapter on your new camera, you've still got image stabilizer. Yeah. yeah, which is really useful. It is, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you've got your camera, you've got your lens, maybe a kit lens that came with the, with the camera. But the next thing that you'll need is a memory card. Now, often you don't get a memory card with a camera, do you, these no, days? No, absolutely not. So in <laughs> the, the old days, thing. you bought yourself a camera, you used to get a bunch of films where you got your camera, but you don't get a memory card these days. So it's a bit of a minefield out there with them once again. Um, most cameras these days accept one type of memory card or one yeah. style of memory card, don't they? Yeah. which is the SD. Yeah. And <laughs> you work in the shop there, so you, you've yeah. come across this many yeah, times. We, we see this quite a lot. Thankfully, it is relatively easy with the cards. Yeah. You know, most of them, the only ones that change to a different style of cards are the cameras that cost you five grand upwards. In which case, when you get to that level, you probably know more about the cards anyway. So it's not something I'd worry too much about whether the card is right for you. Mm. But also the camera shop would never sell you one that doesn't work with your camera. But the things that you want to choose and the, the variables, if you like, with the memory card is basically speed and capacity. They're your two main ones. Um, and as long as you've got a card that's fast enough, and this is a diff if you're, gonna, if you're gonna buy one from a camera shop, you're probably all right every time. Yeah, yeah. This is where the advice in a camera shop will come really invaluable. Yeah. Because it's all right buying on the internet, but you, these little things you think, well, I've got my camera, now what? You haven't got a memory card, and you've got to rush out thinking, well, where am I going to get one of those from? If you buy one from a store, you'll find that your local store will end up giving you a memory card, won't they, to go with it? This is the difference between, all right, you might spend 30 quid on a 32 gigabyte card or, or, or a 64, whatever capacity, let's say it's 30 quid in a, in a store. Yeah. And you think, well, I've seen that on eBay, or I've seen that in Asda or the supermarket for eight quid. And although the capacity will be the same, it will still be 32 it's gigabyte. Slow. It's really slow, and you'll notice if you start taking a couple of shots one after the other, your camera starts packing up and get, going a little bit slower, um, and then especially if you come to record on video. Mm. If you're recording on video, you'll find that when you get maybe about eight to 10 seconds in, it will just stop recording. And it's a similar kind of concept to just watching a YouTube uh, video on slow internet connection. 
it kind of just stops. Basically, the camera's recording, recording the data quicker than it can dump it onto the card. Yeah, so it has to stop to think about putting it back onto the... Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. So as long as you get a decent card, decent capacity, you can normally see that because there's a C on the card, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's class 10, basically. Yeah. And that means it's going to be okay for most purposes, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so if you see one with like a C and a class four or a class six, avoid it at all costs because it'll yeah. be no good to anybody. I'll keep it for your sat nav. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, most of the time, if it's a class 10, you're good to go really, unless you're doing high-end professional videoing and then you need a bit more kind of, bit more to it than that. I was just thinking just then, my very first memory card for a camera was, well, was a few years ago now, obviously, but uh, it was 49.95 and that was half a gig. Now wow. you were talking about a 32 wow. gig yeah. card just then. And you were looking at £30 and you said, well, that's a bit more expensive than you would spend in Tesco's. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I spent 50 quid on a card, it was half a gig. And how many pictures would I get on that these days? <laughs> Not many. No, probably about <laughs> 10 if that. But that's, that's the useful thing with the memory card, though. You can get a lot more pictures on that than you would on a roll of film. I mean, I started off back in the days of film. You had 36 or 24 shots, and that's your lot. Whereas on a, on a memory card now, you can get hundreds. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to be fair, when you are, well, thousands, so yeah, to... to and it's reusable. Yeah, so if you delete them, so, you, you're away. But yeah. to put it into perspective, a 32 gigabyte card tends to be the, the middle of the range, the go-to, the safe bet. Hmm. 64 gig is good, 128, you're starting to get a bit ridiculous with it. Um, and one thing to remember, oh, I would always suggest, I don't know about you, but I would always suggest it, get two 32 gigabyte cards rather than one 64 gigabyte card. Yeah. Because these cards will fail at some point. If you're gonna get into photography big time and you're in there for, for, for years to come, you'll notice a card will fail at some point. They just mm. do, it's just life. So you're better having one card fail and losing half your pictures than know. you know one big card failing and losing everything. Yeah, um, I was told many years ago by a, a, one of our local dealers at the time, that if you're gonna go and buy yourself a memory card, don't buy a big one. Buy yourself two or three smaller cards because at least if one packs up, you've still got the others to carry on with. Yeah, yeah. And if you're doing a wedding, that's the last thing you want to happen. <laughs> so, but there you go. But obviously, if you're starting out, I hope you're not going to start off doing your wedding straight away. Yeah, no, yeah. It's a brave, brave, brave step if you're going straight to the wedding. Yeah, but but no, if you can get yourself a couple of memory cards because you can re you can always guarantee at some time or other you'll take your memory card out of your camera, put it into your laptop or your computer, and you'll forget to take it out and replace it into the camera. So at least you'll have one in your your camera bag all the time. Yeah. So it's ready to go in the camera. So at least you're not going to go out with your camera and forget the memory card. Maybe a spare battery as well. A spare battery as well, possibly, yeah. Yeah, because that's quite useful. Especially on modern day cameras, because everything is electronic on them. Yeah, so the batteries die a lot quicker than they did on the film cameras. They did, they did, <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, two things that you would be, uh, two things which are useful to buy when you buy your, your new camera is, a couple of memory cards, obviously, because you need something to put your images onto, and a, and a spare battery. Yeah. You will get one a battery with your car, uh, your camera, as well as a charger, obviously. But you do need a spare one with you as well. So that's the last thing you want to happen if you're out on a uh, a trip or a holiday, and you've got a, a battery within your camera and it dies, and you've nowhere else to charge it up. Yeah. At least if you have a spare, you can just pop it in and carry on shooting. Yeah. Uh, maybe ask as well, especially with the new modern cameras, ask whether that particular camera that you're looking for will take USB charging. What that means is it'll charge in the camera, just like you charge your mobile phone. Because mm. a lot of them, is you've got to take the battery out and put it in a separate charger, uh, which is fine. But if the camera's got USB charging, it means you can charge it from a, a USB, like a power bank or from a car USB port or something like that. So it gives you another level of backup, just in case you get caught out without any battery. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so as a, as, a, as a roundup then, if you're looking at getting a camera and you're not really sure where to go, um, number one, you want to have a look at whether the camera's ergonomically nice for you, get it in the hand, see if it fits well, see if it, you know, it just feels nice in the hand for a start. All the menus will always be complicated to you, so no matter what camera you put in your hand, mm. be prepared for it to look complicated, to don't let that put you off initially. Um, but a lot once you've got your head there. around that and it's set up, mainly you can just sort of leave it and go, just go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then the next thing is maybe looking at the sensor size of the camera, it, you know, working out whether the sensor size is right for you. But if you don't know what sensor size you need, chances are it means that any sensor size will be fine for you, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Yeah. So don't worry too much about that either and don't fall for the marketing stuff of, of, of what you might, you know, you might try and find a, you might try and find, you might find a full frame being forced down your neck because that is just the buzzword at the minute. But if you don't know what you want, hmm. chances are, it could be whatever it, it will be fine. be fine. But it will dictate the size of the camera. So again, this comes back to the ergonomics. So you're looking for whether the camera fits in your hand, whether the sensor size is right for you or, or, or not, as the case may be. Yeah. Uh, and then your lenses, what kind of lens you want to look at, whether you want a zoom lens, a wide angle lens. And again, that is dictated by the millimeter numbers. Um, and then your memory card, mm -hmm. basically. Get a decent capacity memory card or a couple of them at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then if you need it, a spare battery and maybe even a, an additional battery charger if, if if that's the case. And then you're ready to go, really. Yeah, but most of the time, you know, I will vouch for the camera stores here. Most of them, um, I've been to a lot of them throughout the UK. Um, most of them are quite good. Just tell them what you want. Chances are they will ask you what you want out of a camera, what you want it to do, at least. So if you're going to say, you know, you're going to start shooting landscapes or you're going to start shooting sports, chances are they will kind of be, they'll be able to recommend a camera for you on that basis. So kind of going with what kind of features you've either read about or seen or maybe your friend's camera's got that you want. It might be a particular silent mode or a image stabilizer to an extent or whatever it might be, but going with a rough idea. Um, and most of the time, the camera store people will, will be able to help you and recommend them. You know, it's what they're paid and trained to do, really. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the idea today is to give you some indication as to what's available out there really, isn't it? And yeah. what you need if you want to buy yourself a camera to get yourself started in, on your photography journey. Yeah, uh, there are compact, so, we should have mentioned earlier on, there's, there are compact cameras, obviously there's mobile phones, but there's also bridge cameras. Um, the reason we didn't really mention those is because 99% of the people now buying a camera are coming from phones or compact cameras because phones are generally quite good anyway. So if you're wanting to buy a proper camera, as you mm. call them, yeah. the reason we've recommended mirrorless and DSLR is because it's effectively future-proofing yourself, you can experiment with it more, you can put different lenses on and you can go down that way. A bridge camera is a bit of, bit of an in-between, it's a big camera that's got pro features on it, like manual modes and all this kind of stuff, but you can't change the lenses, so you probably find you'll be quite restricted with it pretty early on, to be honest. It's got a limit, isn't it? Yeah. What you've what you bought, and that's the end of it really, you can't add things to it. Whereas, you know, if somebody asked me now, what sort of camera should I buy? Well, the only general thing I would tell people is buy one that you can actually grow into and swap lenses with, because that'll let you then expand your knowledge with photography. Whereas if you buy a bridge camera or basically a compact, you're stuck with what you've got. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope this has kind of been useful for you. I hope the, it's at least cleared a few things up, if not made more things confusing, made it more confusing. Um, but if there's anything, you know, if you are watching this as a seasoned photographer or an enthusiast or somebody that's had a few cameras or whatever, let us know if you think we've missed anything, any key parts of choosing your camera and the start of your camera journey. Yeah. Uh, let us know in the comments below if you've got any suggestions or things we've missed. Um, or even if you've not 
you know, if you're new to this whole world and there's a question that you don't feel like we've answered or cleared up, again, ask us questions in the comments and we will come back and reply to you as best we can. Um, but yes, I hope it's, mm. hope it's cleared a few things up. And throughout the series now, we will be going through different camera settings and what the modes mean and basically introducing you to photography. But I thought we'd start here with making sure you've chosen the right camera for a start. That's it. And don't forget, there's no such thing as a silly question. Any question is worth asking. Yeah. Because well, if you don't know the answer, it's worth asking. Yeah, I used, when I used to do the workshops in person, you know, before the land of COVID, um, <laughs> we used to have 15 people listening to these workshops and things. You tend to find somebody would take the courage of 10 minutes and they'd finally go, uh, excuse me, I've got a question. And then as they asked that question, everybody else in the room would go, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> good question. <laughs> so yeah, please ask us some questions. Um, follow the page. You know, if, if you are wanting to stay with us on this, then keep signed up, keep subscribed, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we shall see you on the next video. Keep watching and we shall see you. Thanks for watching. Thank you. Thank you.